Hey everyone, and welcome to another conversation with Chess Leadership. I'm joined by past presidents Stephanie Levine and uh, Steve Simpson. Uh, as always, we're going to try to get a little bit to the heart of the matter on topics of interest to membership about leadership. And uh, mm -hmm. Steph, I want to start with you. Uh, thanks again, both of you, for joining us today. Um, minute as best as you can. I know you've done a ton <coughs> of stuff. Give us a, a little informa information about you and your pathway to leadership uh, through CHEST. Okay. So I'm Stephanie Levine. I'm a, the immediate past president of CHEST. I am based in San Antonio, where I'm a professor of medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care. I'm also at the Audie Murphy VA Hospital in South Texas. And I've been involved with CHEST for almost 30 years. I first started out in the networks. And then I, be, I was the inaugural chair, actually, when we started the whole network model of the transplant network, was eventually the head of the steering committee, chair of the council of networks. Then I uh, was involved in SEEK, uh, pulmonary and critical care since volume six, in fact, mm -hmm. pretty much straight through except for one, one, uh, one year there. And chair of the board review course, I was the president of the CHESS Foundation and then on the board of regents. And um, what else there? Oh, chair of education committee as well. Mm -hmm. And then head of the, uh, co-chair of the annual meeting with Darcy uh, Marcinic in Montreal. Mm. Following Stephanie is always hard. I, I mean, she does everything. Yes. So uh, a little bit about yourself, Steve. Yeah, yeah, this makes my CV much shorter and faster <laughs> to say. Now, I, I'm Steve Simpson. I am a professor in uh, pulmonary and critical care at the University of Kansas, where I've been for about 23 years. I got my start with chess. My very first start with chess was an abstract that I sent in about 1988 to a chess meeting in Atlanta. Um, but my mentor at that time, one of my mentors was Roger Bone, who is the progenitor of the sepsis, initial sepsis criteria. And that's why you younger folks may have heard of him. Um, but uh, Roger kind of pulled me into chest and, and was my sponsor, so to speak. Yeah, I think he was working behind the scenes to help me get opportunities, which, which I took advantage of. The first actually official thing I did in chest was be a member of the scientific program committee in the mid-90s. Um, but um, then after, after Roger passed on, uh, I had to make my own way, so to speak, and so I tried getting onto the networks. The first thing that happened was I became governor for the state of Kansas that uh, we don't have governors anymore. Not technically anymore. governor of Kansas. No, not okay. governor of Kansas. Governor for no. Kansas, for yes. chess. Yeah, governor, uh, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, but then I applied to the networks, and I had to apply three times to get onto the Critical Care Network Steering Committee. Uh, I'm not sure if they believed what I was telling them, that I was interested in critical care in rural areas of the country. But uh, ultimately, I got on, uh, became network chair, then chair of the Council of Networks, and then an at-large board member, and then I made my way to being president. So we're going to circle back. Both of you, again, have served in the role of president. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I, I think there's interest from the membership and exactly what that entails, because mm -hmm. they, they see us you know, once a year at the meeting. They get mm -hmm. emails from us mm -hmm. now and then, but there's a lot to it. Some of it mm -hmm. fun, some mm -hmm. of it stressful and a little less fun. So mm -hmm. I want to circle back to that. Mm -hmm. um, what I'd like to do is start a little bit, though, on what 
each of you brings to the table that's very different and, and that I think the membership could benefit from. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the foundation. There's this perception, which I certainly had for many years, that the foundation is just sort of a place you give money to. It's a charity. But there's a lot more to it than that. And some of it is actually directly germane to our junior members. Can you speak a little bit to maybe a little bit better understanding of what it is and how our junior members might benefit from more involvement with it? Yeah, I, th I think there's lots of opportunities with the foundation. So there are, there are multiple work groups, including one that focuses on patient education, and they're always open to having junior members in those groups. There are grants, clinical grants, that, that you can apply for, and that was one of my early starts with the Chess Foundation. And there are community service projects as well. So it's a great introductory place to start in the organization and to work with the foundation. If you mentioned the grants, which I think get a little bit of press, but maybe not as much as they should. Give me a sense, if you can, compare you know, a, 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 an NIH grant application to a chest, because grant foundation, grant, grant applications can sound a little scary. How, how in, uh, involved is that process? Well, it's a, it is a formal grant mm -hmm. process, but it's, it's not at the detail that you would need for an NIH grant. So it's a great starting grant. Um, fellows can apply for it for, for many of them. They're eligible. Junior <coughs> faculty, um, there's some that are for, for diversity scholars. So there's really a lot of good options there. And one more piece, you mentioned the patient education piece. Can you give us some examples of, of things that Chest Foundation is actively doing that our, our younger membership might be interested in participating in? Oh, there's COPD. A lot came out this past couple of years with COVID. So really the general pulmonary topics that you would think that there's opportunities to, to participate in those writing groups for mm -hmm. those. It, 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 I often, again, I've learned as I've gotten older, and it took me way longer to learn this than it should have, is we're a very education-focused organization. The college tend to focus on professional uh, education for all of the different career pathways, but there's a ton of patient education material we do. Some of it was work with the ALA, for example, but the Chess Foundation has really been the, the, the part of chess that focuses on patient-facing stuff. And it doesn't get enough press. I think it's yeah, a great Yeah, I, I totally agree. And All again, right. a great place to start. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn to Steve. You and I have known each other a, a, a few years. We've worked closely for a few mm -hmm. years. But we're very different in many ways. And one of those ways is you have a lot more street cred in the research space mm -hmm. than, I, than mm -hmm. I do. We can talk about my failures. And, but talk to me, because people see chess as the clinical PCCM organization mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. How does a guy with pretty good research cred like yourself fit into chess, and why chess as opposed to anywhere else to, 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 to show your skill set and to be a leader? Yeah, um, well, my very first experience with chess, um, you've heard before, you've heard before, but my first experience was in Atlanta. Um, before you were in Atlanta, <laughs> I have to say. You call, me, you call me young again. It wasn't before I was born. Let's be clear, it was, it was not, not before that. I was born. It was not that. Um, no, but it was in Atlanta, and, and I went to this poster discussion session. I put up my poster, and I was scared as could be. It's my first experience. My mentor couldn't come to the meeting. I'm by myself. And the guy leading this meeting, his name is Bart Chernow. Uh, and everyone and knows Bart everyone knows Bart Chernow. I've been, I've been reading. He was at the time the editor of the journal Critical Care Medicine, and so I was quaking in my boots. He came over to my poster and he let me give my spiel, and he said, "That's really great work." And he took a beat and he said, "Would you like to know how to make it even better?" And for for me 
that is something that I'm constantly striving to do, to be even better in my research work, in my personal life, and you know, in everything. I want to be constantly getting better. So, so that told me something. And I made the mistake of going to another organization's meeting with one of my fellows a couple of years later when I was the mentor, and, and she totally got castigated by uh, the person looking at the posters. And I was appalled. I was just appalled. So one thing I have to say about the research experience at CHEST, first, is that the people involved in it are more human and empathetic than any place else that I've been. They can be critical, but they are humanly critical when they do that. Um, we like that at CHEST. It's how I like to be when I'm reviewing a grant, reviewing a paper, looking at a poster with someone. That's, yeah, I'm taking too long That's on this okay. question. No, but it's, it's a good, it, so again, I think that we tend to have a bias of, it's where we cl go as clinicians. Yes. But I, I think that as our move is more towards diverse, we talk about diversity a lot. And I think diversity means mm -hmm. we, we tend to think of it as, as bringing folks who are traditionally underrepresented in medicine mm -hmm. to have a bigger seat at the table, and it mm -hmm. should. Yes. But one of the things that I have seen us focus on over the last couple of years, and I think you, is to try to get more diversity of thought. Yes. To bring people with very mm -hmm. different backgrounds, mm -hmm. to bring more research, to bring more private practice docs into the leadership ranks, because mm -hmm. I just think all organizations are stronger when there are people with very different backgrounds at the table contributing thoughts together. Yes, we do think that. So if I were, uh, again, a, a junior researcher, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask one more quick question, then I want to go back to Stephanie, because mm -hmm. you need to take mm -hmm. a turn. We're going to be here forever. Yes, I do. Yes, do that. I do. Um, if I'm a junior researcher, what's the pull at chest? What do I do to you know, convince me as a, somebody who's really interested in getting a, a K level? Or something, why right, should I get involved right. in chest as opposed to anywhere else? Right. Well, uh, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that chest funds many people who do go on to win K awards. And chest often provides the very first grant that they get. Um, again, chest is a friendly place to to present your work and get a good critique without feeling beaten down by it. Um, but, but there are plenty of good mentors. All the people whose papers you read in the various different journals, they are here too. They're here too. And why they still come here is because of the humanness and, and the sense of community. All right, thank you. So I want to spin I want to spin a little bit to something you both have in common, and that is this cabal known as the Board of Regents. Mm. I think one of the things that we struggle with a little bit is transparency. And I don't think it's intentional opacity, mm. but I think there's a, a lot of a misconception, but there's a failure to understand exactly what the role of the board is, who's on mm. it, how big it is. Mm. So, staff, you've been on the board for a couple of years. You preceded both Steve and myself on the board. You were, I think, a member even prior to, uh, as, as a foundation president, I think you had a seat at the table of the board as well. What is the Board of Regents and what does it do exactly? So the Board of Regents is really responsible for overseeing the organization. So we have, it's comprised of regents at large, and then there are some positions on the board that are by, by office. For example, if you're chair of the, the Council of Networks, you would sit on the Board of Regents. If you're chair of the Council of, of the International Regents, you, be, you would sit on, that, on the board. 
Um, in addition, of course, the 4P group, and that consists of the past president, myself this year, president, and then incoming president, then, then the person who would be after you, the president-designate. So we work closely. We work with the senior staff. We, of course, work with, this, with our CEO, uh, Bob Masaccio. But we really try to oversee the organization. What kinds of decisions, again, I know there, there are certain things that we may not want to talk about just because it's a little in the weeds, but what kinds of decisions mm -hmm. come to the board? You know, we meet in person about three times a year, maybe remotely one or two more times a year. What comes up at those meetings? What comes up at those meetings? Well, the, the function of a board is, is to form the strategy for the organization. So what do we talk about? Do we talk about specific things about, about membership and how a committee should do its business? No, we don't. We're looking out at the future. We're looking, we're looking for what do we need to do to remain viable? and be interesting to the people who are in pulmonary critical care, sleep, um, and, and that's how we spend our time in the main. The board, though, like any board, is also responsible for the finances of the organization. So, so we, don't, we don't spend the money, but we keep a careful eye on the finances, be sure that this beautiful building we're in, that we can continue to pay for it, and so that we can continue to provide things for our members that they need. Overwhelmingly, um, people who are on the board have contributed to one of the committees that reports to the board. And I think mm -hmm. that I'm going to, if I miss one, let me know. So it's Education Committee, mm -hmm. Membership Committee, mm -hmm. Training and Transitions Committee, mm -hmm. Guidelines Oversight Committee. Mm -hmm. Now there's the Health Policy and Advocacy Committee. Mm -hmm. These committees report to the, they, mm -hmm. they sort of do the work. I mean, I think mm -hmm. you nicely pointed out, the board sort of oversees this, yes. but it's these committees that actually do the work and report to the board. And one of the challenges sometimes we have is avoiding sort of managing the work too closely. Yeah, we absolutely. want big picture, broad stroke stuff. What do you think is the, are the hardest decisions the board has to make? What are the, the, the challenging things that we deal with? Well, I, I think it goes back to what Steve said about strategy. So part of creating strategy is sort of guessing or education, making an educational guess of where we're going to be sitting as professionals in you know, the future, in two years to five years down the line. And some of that has to be thought about when we're making these strategic decisions. So I think, I think that's probably the hardest. You missed a few there, Shay. The P, you, missed P, you missed professional standards. For PSC, professional mm -hmm. standards committee, yep. How about the Council of Networks? Council of <laughs> Networks. And you miss a scientific program I'm, committee. I'm happy, again, it's, it's wonderful there's so many opportunities for folks to get involved. I, I had not done the preparation of, of listing them all, but all of these are ways that people can eventually get on the board. It's really through any of these entrees. I think it's unusual for somebody to get on the board without participation in one of those subcommittees in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I, I think that depending on somebody's interest, they can start in any of those places and then mm -hmm. move up. And hopefully through this series of interviews, we're going to talk about each of those things. Let me spin a little bit to the president role. So I, I have learned a lot about what it entails. Clearly, I'm about to engage on what mm -hmm. the year is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to reflect a little bit on what your year has been like. Both of you have had different years probably than many presidents mm -hmm. in the context of the pandemic. Talk to me a little bit about what you thought the role was going to be like and then how it compared to what the role actually was. Yeah. Well, why did I run? Um, I felt like I had some specific... 
He's going to say achieve again. I felt like I had certain specific talents and interests that that the board could benefit from. Um, uh, some of those are, I, quite frankly, they are my empathy and my ability to listen and gather a variety of opinions. What I wanted, though, when I ran for the board, as you know, I was very interested in broadening out our appeal to such people as advanced practice providers, uh, to people internationally. And what I really looked forward to as president was to be able to travel internationally and meet these folks face-to-face, -face, shake their hand, or some people don't shake hands, and that's okay, but to meet people where they are and, and convince them, or at least talk to them about the advantages of chess membership and why we should be allies to bring education and research uh, around the world. That's the stuff I had hoped to do. Now, as you are aware, uh, I didn't even get to come to the headquarters for my inauguration because I lived in a COVID red state at the time, so I couldn't leave. Um, I'm now at the headquarters, but we didn't get to have an in-person meeting. I didn't get to be on the stage, and Stephanie at least got that once. I did That's that. good, um, but I didn't get to do that. I did not get to travel internationally. I didn't get to spread the word. Um, and that's, that's how it's a little different. But, but, you know, I was just musing earlier today that it's, it's really kind of strange because my history with the Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, my history with us being an Ebola intake center at Kansas, um, my, my uh, history of interest in pandemic um, responses, um, a lot of the things I've done for the state of Kansas involved that work, and and my my interest. Well, just uh, just COVID is fell into my lap. Well, it fell into both of your laps, and so mm -hmm. I do. I want to give Stephanie mm -hmm. a chance. So I want to come back to this. Yeah. So let's start initially though with that same question to you. So, why did you run for president? What were you hoping to get out of the role? So I came in as an educator from many of those activities that I told you I've been involved with and also as a program director. So I think my goal was was to focus on the education that chess can provide, whether it be you know nationally or internationally. I think that was a lot of, of my goal with the presidency. Again, like Steve mentioned, it started out, you know, as as expected. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, March of 20 that when when the pandemic really took off, um, that's when everything pretty much shut down. But I will look back at that whole experience as an incredible challenge and a learning experience. We we pivoted to virtual pretty quickly, both mm -hmm. with meetings, with with um, th with our board meetings. Mm -hmm. And we were able to, I think, you know, see things forward. Mm -hmm. I want to throw this to both of you, because, again, I think you were both weirdly, it's, it sounds a little bit of pandemic presidents. I mean, yes, it's happened part of the way through the year. You certainly had it for the entirety mm -hmm. of the year. Hopefully we're on our way out now as the, mm -hmm. as the end of your term comes up. What is the role, what did you foresee the role of chest would be, the role of the president would be during a pandemic, during that transition, and how mm -hmm. well did we fulfill that role? So yeah. it's been a tough couple yeah. of years for everybody yeah. out in the world. Yeah, so, so I thought that chess would 
would become one of the educational leaders during the course of this, and I think that we did a good job of that. I hoped that CHEST would, and some CHEST members would, step up with some research about the virus and about the pandemic, and some people did, and some people have. I was very proud of CHEST for stepping up and saying, hey, let's not panic and lose our head. Doing something for a patient is not necessarily better than doing the standard things that you know. So we did a good job of that. Stephanie, what would you, I mean, you transitioned us into this role. It started during your term. What's your take on our early response in terms of helping our membership and, and disseminating some of the education information that Steve was talking about? Well, I think thanks to a, an idea that really originated from Steve right at the beginning of the pandemic, we created the COVID task force, which has gone out on now for 18 months and has pro provided tremendous amounts of education. Um, we almost, at, at least initially, we had a weekly webinar yeah. on a COVID topic, and that's been ongoing. Uh, lots of social media material and other educational material. So I think that mm -hmm. really was an opportunity. I think, so what have you learned from this? So you'll, you're both now <clears throat> going to be sort of moving into the past, you're a past president, you'll be moving into the past president role shortly. What skills, what experiences did you have from your year as president that you'll take away and, and we'll, you'll sort of cherish, but you'll use for your own mm -hmm. personal satisfaction moving forward. Steve. Oh, you know what I learned? Uh, you, you don't know this yet, maybe, but Chess provides the president with an executive coach who helped me to learn how to set uh, better goals with achievable, achievable measurable uh, key outcomes from those goals. But another, but another thing that I learned on a personal level that I, has been fantastic for me uh, is, is that I had been on the road a lot. You know, I work half time for the federal government, and I work a lot of my time for Chess. Had been on the road a lot, and I've been home with my wife now for 18 months, and we have become even closer than we were before. That's nice. What COVID has done, it has enhanced something, I think, that was always probably in me, but I'm able to look at some of the direst circumstances now and find either the silver lining or find what's, what's good about what's going on now and focus on that instead of what's so bad. What's, what's the experience or the, 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 the benefit that you've gotten from your year, your year of tenure as chess president that will stick with you that helped you the most in terms of personal or professional development? Oh, I think working working with people, with different people. I think um, thinking quickly, we had to act quickly, especially when COVID started. I, I think, you know, I could definitely think about it, something and think and think and think. And, you know, I had to make sometimes quick, yeah. but hopefully good decisions. And I think that's what I learned. Well, again, I, I can speak from observing both of you, and I, I said this during uh, my sort of incoming speech, but it, it was really lessons in leadership, both of you. I can't imagine... Hopefully, again, we're nearing the end. I'm sure this will we'll have some steady state virus moving forward, but hopefully the experience we've had over the last couple of years will not be replicated moving forward. But it, it has been an extraordinary pleasure watching both of you serve mm -hmm. in the leadership position during this incredibly difficult time. And mm -hmm. I can, if I can do a job half as well mm -hmm. as either of you, then I will be pleased with my, mm -hmm. uh, with my role. All right, mm -hmm. so uh, thank you for that. We're gonna move into a speed round. What word or phrase, and it could have been a word or phrase used by a prior president if you want, although you have to be careful because they may be watching, yeah. pushes your buttons. You're like, ah, people People shouldn't say that. That really bothers me oh when somebody gosh. uses that word or phrase. What is, Dr. Simpson, what is that word or phrase for you? Um, 
Gosh, uh, you've, uh, you've it could caught be one me. That I use. No, you've <laughs> caught me flat-footed. The problem is uh, when I'm rounding in the ICU, I can name in one set of rounds. I will tell people, don't say that. That's what is not, it? Well, actually, no. Here's one. Here's one. That begs the question. Yes. <laughs> that begs the question of something, something, something. That's not what that means. To beg the question means to answer with a non sequitur, basically, to yep. redirect the People question. People misuse it all the time. And I, yes. when I misuse it, I say, I know I'm using this incorrectly, but, but. it's what everyone <laughs> thinks it means. That's it. That, all right, so Stephanie, what is a word or phrase that when somebody says it, it it's like a nails on a chalkboard? You wish nobody would ever say that. I'll be it. I'll be like A L B S. This is a word. What's the problem? Now, now teach me because I've probably misused that. And with statistically significant, albeit minimal. Or the results were this: albeit small. Albeit small. What TV? What movie? If you're flipping around the TV channels, but you catch up this movie, and you're like. I love this movie. I've seen it 10 times, but I'm going to sit and watch it for 15 yes, minutes. Yes, what yes. is that movie for you? The Matrix. Really? Oh, heck yes. You know, they're releasing another one coming up yes, soon. Yes, they are. Yes. I'm looking so, forward to it. So that movie on TV, you, you, I, you I, will always I, well, stop and I, watch I, it for a little bit. I, I'm like a moth to the flame for really? The Matrix. Now, how about the, the original sequels? movie? Okay, not, not the sequels, not so much. The sequels, but okay. the original. I, I, it's, you know, I'm glad to have known that, because that's not what I would have... Uh-huh. I've worked with you a long time. That conversation uh-huh. has never come up. I didn't know you were. Are you sort of a sci-fi geek at heart? Um, yeah, I used to read a lot of sci-fi. Isaac Asimov and, and Robert Heinlein when I was a kid. All right. Well, now a Bohemian Rhapsody for me. The, well, the one was from a couple years ago. Yeah. Rami Malek won the uh, best. Abs- oh, absolutely, no question. Oh, wow. Just that, saw it the it, other day again. But you, oh, yeah. So that is to say, that's. I, I think I've only seen that once because I yeah. may have seen it on HBO mm-hmm. or something. But I don't yeah, think I've seen too. that in repeats yet. What is the <laughs> coolest place you've traveled, and why is it the coolest place you've traveled? Um, and I know you've traveled a lot. You're, a, you're a pretty worldly a guy. Lot. Yeah, yeah. The coolest, huh? You have to pick one. Make it pick one. Tierra del Fuego. And so I. I and why? Uh, absolutely the most beautiful place in the world. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess if you like tropical isles, maybe not, but, <laughs> but mountains, plains, uh, animals that are foreign to me, uh, wonderful climates. Yeah, I've never and, been. It's on, so that should be on everyone's bucket list. Oh, heck yes. Uh, yeah. What's the best place you've ever been and why? It was at Chester um, when we went to the APSR to Vietnam. Oh. Really? Tell, yeah. tell, what, why that? Oh. Uh, interesting, historic, yeah. really foreign. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really different. Mm-hmm. What song comes on the radio? Mm-hmm. And if, if you're on your own, you're always going to sing along. And if you're in public, you wish you were alone so you could sing along. Uh, that's a hard one. because well, you, know, you don't have to be one. But like, what's a song for which that is true? I, it has. I mean, I guess because I'm. I've been you know, watching I'm this, you sing it. this Bohemian Rhapsody oh, so much. It's got to be. It's got to be a Queen song. It's got to be. That's fine. Which one? Probably the main one. Probably Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Now that was made famous again by Wayne's World a few years ago. It had gone dormant. It never hit as big, I think, as it did during Wayne's World. Steve, what is the song that, as the kids say these days, slaps for you? What is that song? Something Led Zeppelin. Something Led Zeppelin. You have um, to keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. There are about okay. half a dozen Led Zeppelin songs, um, um, and not a single one will come to my brain. 
I've asked these presidents some wonderful questions. They've been incredibly generous and kind with their time so far. One of the wonderful things is, as Dr. Levine mentioned, mm. is that the presidents are in a group of four. It's the, always the past president, current president, president-elect, president-designate. And the four of us have calls every couple of weeks. And yeah. what I think has been the best part of it is, again, everyone's got a slightly different style. Everyone's got a slightly different style, but we all tend to solve problems in slightly different ways, just because of our world experiences. And um, I have learned a ton from the other folks with whom I've had a chance to work. Thank you both for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. Cool. Look. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank I've you. never seen them. Did you see that? Both movies, and they built the tower like this.